A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia. I want to ask you this: Are you noticing? The sound of your breath right now, at this moment. Before I ask you, you may not hear your own breath at all, but right now, your attention is guided there, and the sound of it may become more obvious. This is an example of being mindful rather than mindless. Today we have mindfulness coach Abigail from themindfulgoods.com. She will explain to us what is mindfulness, how we can practice it, and what the connection between mindfulness and sleep. Hi, Abigail. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So very happy to connect with you. I know you are in the field of doing a lot of great mindfulness coaching work, and yourself also have a lot of knowledge about sleep. So I'm very happy to connect with you to chat more about your own experience. Yeah, there's definitely overlap between mindfulness and sleep, and、uh, and ways that mindfulness practices can support healthy sleep habits. Yeah. So,、um, how about you introduce yourself a little bit first to our audience, so our audience get to know you. I know we are living in different countries. Yeah. So、uh, my name is Abigail Soma, and I'm living in Vienna, Austria. And、uh, my website, my company is called The Mindful Goods, and I do trainings for individuals and organizations in mindfulness and emotional intelligence. Uh, I run a weekly group called Connect, Reflect, and Breathe, which is kind of a mindfulness salon, if you will—a place where we come together and practice, but also discuss、uh, discuss related issues to our practice and and meaningful topics that are coming up for us. So,、um, so yeah, and I'm also training companies and and working with them as well. Wow, cool! I really like the name of your practice and and your group. Sounds very just by hearing what you you mentioned, just make me feel so soothing. I always connect mindfulness practice with peacefulness, relaxing, and I know for people want to get better sleep, that's that's what they want also to feel relaxed and calm before they go to bed. Yeah, absolutely, and I I think there's an aspect of mindfulness that promotes peace and promotes calm, and that's the end game.、Uh, but a lot of times, it's also just allowing whatever is present to be and noticing it and being aware of it, without getting too carried away in it or or、uh, becoming overwhelmed by it. So let's say that you're in bed at night and you notice that. You're having a lot of racing thoughts, and that's creating a sense of anxiety in the body. It's sort of noticing the stories without identifying with them or over-identifying with them, 
and becoming more aware of what's happening in the body. So putting the attention and the awareness on the body and moving away from the stories in the head, mm. the stories of the mind. Right. Get out of your mind, go back to your body and be the present moment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sort of making that shift from, uh, from telling ourselves the, the, the stories or noticing the stories that the mind tells by paying attention to them and awareness of them and then sort of shifting into the body and realizing how that's manifesting in the body, how those thoughts are presenting mm. as feelings. Yeah, that sounds great. So I'm curious for you being practicing this way and teaching mindfulness uh, and practicing yourself, have you find it's very helpful for your own sleep? So that's a tough question <laughs> in some <laughs> way. Uh, yes, and, but in different ways than you might think. So. Um, the first thing, as I was saying before about mindfulness, mindfulness is very much about this idea of storytelling, of the mind being always kind of worried about something from the past or, or sorry, reflecting or ruminating on something from the past or worried about the future. And this storytelling aspect of the mind. And I think around sleep, we also have a lot of stories that we tell ourselves. And uh, before I was a practitioner and I would have sleep issues, I had a lot of stories around sleep, like, oh my gosh, tomorrow is going to be awful. How am I going to, have, I have to give this presentation tomorrow. How am I going to make it through the meeting? I would stress myself out even more because I couldn't sleep. And so with my practice, I began to realize that I was catastrophizing the situation. I had a difficult situation and I was adding more difficulty on top of it by the stories that I was telling myself about it. So my first advice to anybody who's having sleep challenges is not to catastrophize it, to not tell yourself stories that are going to add stress to the situation and, and actually to move into the opposite. Uh, so the stories that I would then tell myself would be more like, okay, well, actually, you know, you're awake right now, but you know, you can go to bed early tonight. You can catch up. You'll be okay. You'll make it through the meeting. You'll, you'll do okay in the presentation. You've done this before. And so I would make it easier on myself, even though I was uh, awake. So in that sense, it actually had, it actually had a huge benefit um, to, to not catastrophize the situation and to sort of help myself through it, if you will. Mm. Yeah, that sounds, uh, sounds like a very good strategy, um, consistent with what we often see in the cognitive part, yeah. right? How to think, rethink, how we interpret basically a poor night of sleep. And that has a lot to do with how we feel and how we end up taking actions and just impact sleep in the long run. Yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's definitely um, an important cognitive element. Uh, another another uh, practice, another way my practice has helped me. I mean, there, so there's two different things I would say. Um, the first is that meditation relaxes the body. So 
even if you're not sleeping, you're still resting. You're still getting some rest out of it. In a night where I haven't slept well, but I've meditated, I have more confidence in the fact that I have gotten some sort of rest, that I have done something that's good and, and healthy for my body. So that doesn't mean I have to meditate for three hours, but even just to be able to put in 10 minutes here or there uh, or half an hour, uh, can still bring a sense of relaxation to my body. Uh, the other thing is that before I go to bed every night, I have a, a gratitude practice where I will think of three or five things that have happened in the day that have benefited me in some way that have made my life better. And I say now that my you know, my neurons that have wired together, they fire together because I get into bed and my brain goes, okay, so what are you grateful for? It's just automatic at this point now. And if I wake up in the middle of the night, I will try to go back to that space that I have before I fall asleep where, okay, well, what are you grateful for? And again, I have a sense that, okay, maybe I'm not sleeping in this moment but I'm doing something that's good for me. And, you know, eventually I do fall asleep. So I, I can't say that I have resolved all of my sleep issues, but I have definitely found a way to manage them and to, um, yeah, to have a, a, a better life with them. Yeah, uh, you, you mentioned several really good points. I think for the gratitude uh, exercise, you actually connect uh, or associate your sleep time, your bed with something very positive, very pleasant. And yeah. by, right, yeah. by thinking about the good things happen during the day. And instead of people, I know a lot of people with insomnia, once they even go into the bedroom, they will start worrying, catastrophizing, and uh, uh, feeling really anxious. But for you, by keep on practicing gratitude right before bedtime or when you cannot sleep, that actually relink, reconnect your brain. That's such a good strategy to retrain your brain. Yeah, it, it is. And then even when I wake up, it doesn't feel like an awful thing because then my brain starts going to a place that makes me feel better. So waking up isn't you know, isn't this terrible thing that I, it has to bring me to a state of panic. It, it, there's a, yeah, there's an association there now where I start to think, okay, so let's just think about, you know, what we're grateful for. Let's expand on that practice. Yeah. I also really love what you mentioned when you practice uh, meditation or mindfulness, you feel like your body still relax and yeah. you don't really have to force yourself being asleep all the time, even just by relaxing your body or mind, it's still a good thing for your body. Yeah, I think that's another, another good point. I think that meditation in itself is a form of, of relaxation. It's a form of rest. It's a, um, it's rejuvenating in a way. So yeah, so you can take that time that you're not sleeping and still do something that is good for your body. Um, Another thing I should mention is that a lot of people who um, have sleep problems, they find that the body scan is a helpful uh, meditation, meditative tool to use before falling asleep or when they wake up. So you probably are familiar with the body scan where you put your attention on, you know, 
um, starting at the top of the head and, and go down and place awareness and attention on each part of the body or the other version, the um, pro progressive muscle relaxation where you tighten the muscles and then let them go. So this also is another technique that works for some people who are struggling with sleep. Yeah, those are good suggestions. I actually, um, there's one free website I always like to recommend people. Uh, in America, there's a, you know, different uh, school organizations like UCLA, they have this uh, free meditation audios, very brief versions on their website. People can just listen and uh, use. They have one uh, body scan actually for sleep. I think the title for that is body scan for sleep. It's like 15 minutes and you can do it right before bedtime. Uh, in my own practice, I definitely notice a lot of people really like the progressive muscle relaxation technique yeah. you just mentioned. Uh, it's slightly different than body scan, but uh, some people, I do notice some people prefer this one over the other one. Some, some of them like to really move their body parts to feel more relaxed. Some of them just like to imagine and just think by, by thinking, visioning, uh, that can be enough for them to relax. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so different techniques work for different people. And I have found some of these work you know, different ones working for me. I think that, you know, from the physiological standpoint, um, I have, uh, when I sleep, I think I end up breathing through my mouth a lot and I have been trying to address that. And I think that can potentially correct a lot of sleep issues for people. Um, if they are able to make that shift from breathing through the mouth to breathing through the nose. So, um, yeah, one the book that I was reading and that I am reading called Breath by James Nestor, he recommends uh, putting a little piece of tape uh, over your lips to, um, yeah, to train yourself to breathe through the, the nose. So I'm trying that and I'll see if that has a, um, yeah, an impact. Yeah, I'm very curious to hear how do you think about that technique? Uh, I haven't read his book, but I heard about his book quite a lot. And sounds like a lot of people have really good impression of that book. And this technique sounds interesting. I actually haven't heard anyone clinically uh, telling me they are using it. How many days have you tried it so far? Is that weird to put a tape over your mouth? Two. I've tried it two. And uh, the first day, it seemed okay. And the second day, I must have taken it off in my sleep. <laughs> uh. Because I woke up and it was gone. But he also talks about um, about the length that a breath should be, uh, you know, to promote relaxation, that it should be a five or six second breath. Uh, and so I think that's also something worth knowing when you're practicing that different kinds of breathing can, you know, affect you autonomically can move you into deeper relaxation as well. And so that goes sort of hand in hand with mindfulness. Right, that reminds me of another research I read before, like uh, some psychologists are talking about if we can slow down our breathing pace to make it only like four to six round mm -hmm. of breathing within a minute, that's quite a slow, right? And that actually can really physiologically calm ourselves down, like reduce our hyperarousal state. Exactly. And the other thing that he recommends in his book, um, which uh, is that it, 
you can take a longer exhale than inhale. And that will also calm the body down uh, if you have a longer count on your exhale. So there are different ways of working with breath, um, you know, becoming aware of thoughts and stories, moving awareness into the body. All these things I think can, um, can really support, support, you know, your, your clients and your listeners and, and getting better sleep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's so much more we still don't know about sleep. And but I know a lot of people, they do carry this strong belief that if I can just relax myself to extend, if I can just uh, try my best to relax myself as much as I can before bedtime, I should be able to fall asleep. What do you think about that? Uh... I think that sounds like a lot of pressure. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of pressure on yourself. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if uh, if that's how it works. I mean, I think become moving into a state of relaxation is important, uh, and then ideally, you know, you will eventually um, drift off. But I don't think that you want to pressure yourself. Okay. Now I have to get relaxed so that I can sleep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, at least clinically, I see a lot of people bike fire that way. A lot of people, for example, when I tell them, uh, progressive muscle relaxation or body scan, when they first learn that and try it, they love it. Right. Some of them just feel like suddenly, Oh, I can relax my body. And uh, when I run my um, insomnia group, some people actually fall asleep in the group while I <laughs> guided the meditation. But um, just like you said, because at, at the beginning, because of catastrophizing, right? Some mm -hmm. of the thoughts, some of the stories in our mind. So that could get in the way some days. So some of them start relying on the relaxation so much. And then one day it does not work for that day, it's just too much going on in the head. No matter how hard they try, this does not work that night. And then they start panic. They start yeah. catastroph catastrophizing even further. They start thinking, oh my gosh, this technique does not work for me anymore. Yes, what should yes. I do? Yes, yes. And so, and that's when it's really important to, to take on that voice of self-kindness and self-compassion says, okay, you're struggling right now, but you know, everything will, you know, will be okay. You'll get to sleep eventually. You really have to become like your own best friend in a way. Um, and to, you know, support yourself no matter, no matter where you're at in the process or where you're at in the cycle. Um, yeah. And so, uh, the other thing that, that I wanted to mention to you was about, um, you know, how, when you have small children, which uh, mine are sort of just leaving this age group where, you know, they're awake a lot. And I, I have twins. And I think this is, is a, this is a lot of involuntary sleep deprivation. Right. Wow. <laughs> and for an insomniac, it's also kind of interesting because when you're getting up all the time with your kids, um, when you do get to sleep, somehow you're sleeping better, you know, because you're so exhausted. Like, I think you're in a state of exhaustion a lot of the time. And so you're actually sleeping better. But I think that this is a, um, uh, a period that 
I'm just leaving now. And, and there's some speculation that your body is so used to waking up in the night that it takes time to, you know, to have a full night's sleep again, because it's just become such a pattern. So I think that's also can play into some sleep challenges and it has for me as well. Yeah. Wow. Two younger child, two young ch- children that are six, they're both six years old right now. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So I had heard once that parents don't recover their full sleep until their children are six and, and that, you know, their, their pre-children sleep, they don't recover until their youngest child is six. So mine are six now, but I still wake up, you know, there are still different things, you know, they have nightmares, they need to get, you know, Uh, a glass of water or whatever. So, you know, you still get up sometimes. Yeah. So that's another sleep challenge. Yeah, definitely. Sounds like you are already trying to figure out your own sleep, how to help yourself sleep better, but you also have to care about children and how they feel, whether they have any need in the middle of the night? Yes, I think it's a really big question for a lot of parents. How do they navigate that space? I I mean, it's actually such a big question that there are are different schools of competing thoughts and yeah, they don't always like each other. (laughs) (laughs) And the, the school that says, just let your kids cry it out. And the school that says, you know, you. Just, just deal with the sleep deprivation until they're older. <laughs> right. So which school do you um, tend to buy in? Um, you know, it's funny. Now that they're six, I try to think back and I'm like, what did I do? Uh, I think I got up. <laughs> I think I got up most of the time with them. I think that's, I think that's why I was tired for about five years. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's a long time. Yeah. It's a long time to be tired. So uh so I think on that, on that subject, yeah, I, I once remember here reading about somebody saying that they, in order to protect their own sleep, they, they actually like locked their kids in their bedroom at night, <laughs> which is like the extreme end of, um, yeah, not, not wanting to be bothered, but, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously that's probably not good for kids. So uh, I think it's somehow it's it's a really hard time for parents to navigate. And I do think that you can bring your mindfulness practices into this as well. Like I remember, you know, being up in the middle of the night, feeding my kids and really making an effort to just recognize that I wanted to be here right now with my baby or with my small child. I'm feeding my baby. I want to put my full attention on my 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 baby on just being here and and not feeling resentful or feeling angry about it, or, you know, again, getting caught, caught up in some stories about it, but just making sure that the voice that was in my head was saying, okay, right now, you know, you're, you know, holding your baby in your arm. You feel like just really being present for the experience. Yeah, that's beautiful because I would imagine any, anyone who are listening right now possibly can imagine in the middle of the night got waken up and that won't feel very happy, won't be very cheerful and how to bring all those um, negative thoughts back to the present moment, how to be there for the children. Yeah, being present and also being present with self-compassion again, because it is really hard. It's really hard to lose sleep for, for a number of years and have it be kind of out of your control. 
Um, and so it's that it's trying to find that balance between being present and when I'm not present, having com- self-compassion, you know, it's, it's striking the balance. Yeah, definitely hard. I have interviewed actually uh, several moms over the past year. Uh, Their episode will slowly come out this year because I really noticed, uh, especially last year, I don't know for you, but for a lot of moms, because of COVID, because the children have to stay at home and learning from home, uh, it got much harder for a lot of families, for a lot of parents, uh, especially I feel like for, for a lot of moms that they are losing not only sleep, but also daytime time for themselves. Uh, the self-care definitely got a toll on a lot of uh, them. So um, I don't know for you, last year, have you noticed any bigger impact of the you know lifestyle change, school schedule change on your own um, time, self-compassion, and your sleep. Yeah, I mean, for some people, the the uh, the pandemic brought them more time with their kids in a quality way, and then for many others, it really, as you said, it just really shrunk their own self care, and it was really challenging and difficult. Um, I did not struggle as much as many other people, in part because where I live the schools haven't closed down. And so my kids are still in school um, for, well, I guess they did for a while back in March to May. Uh, at that point I was in the U S and, um, and it wasn't that bad, partly because I had older kids. If I had two, one, two, three-year-olds who were getting up in the night, it would have been very, very, very challenging. Um, and also who need your constant attention during the day. Uh, but for me, since we got back to Vienna, the kids have always been in school and, um, and it's actually been, been pretty manageable here. I think the policy here was to keep small kids in school under a certain age if possible. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, so for night sleep, I know I interviewed several sleep specialists talking about helping their children, uh, helping children to sleep better because children do have a lot of sleep problems. Like you mentioned nightmares uh, and sometimes they, they want uh, what we call curtain call. They they would want a lot of things before going to bed. They want an, another hug, another water and things like that. So uh, a lot of them mentioned if a child has sleep difficulties, it, it can become a sleep difficulty for the whole family. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is probably pretty standard advice, but you know, we have a, a regular bedtime routine. And, and that helps a lot for falling asleep. I mean, it's just setting expectations. They know what to expect every night. It's exactly the same. So that helps. And then when they wake up at night, one of them, you know, she has, she's afraid to be alone. And so she wants to come in with us and we, um, we, I, we welcome her. <laughs> she's allowed. And, but then her brother is twin and he feels that, well, wait, if she's getting up and she's getting in there, I want to get in there too. And once that happens, um, yeah, then I, I can't sleep anymore. You know, I have two kids in my bed. I just, it's over for me. <laughs> and so I try to tell them, 
um, I try to encourage them, you know, to then sleep in their, in their own beds. But my daughter has, she said she, you know, she feels scared and she wakes up, she wants to come. And so, uh, so she does. And then I noticed that with my son, he just sort of stopped on his own. He just got more confident on his own and he just stopped. And so he doesn't come so much anymore. And, um, and I'm hoping that will happen with her as well, that she will uh, eventually just, you know, get her strength and stay in her own in her own space and uh and then we'll all sleep better <laughs> yeah every child is so different huh <laughs> yeah every child is so different and they've all had different life experiences which you know have even twins have had different life experiences which give them different sensitivities and things like that and so they try to be sensitive to the needs of of, of each child and um yeah and so in terms of, of other things, this is a, a small tip that I did that really works. I got it actually from one of my babysitters. When they were smaller, I tied a bottle of water to their cribs so that when they woke up, the water would be there. They, could, they wouldn't have to wake me up. Uh, so, um, and then now they have cups by their beds. So if they wake up and they want water, they don't have to come and wake me up. Oh. So really help them to be more independent, have what they need right there. I don't think it sounds impossible for small kids to be independent in some ways, but in this way, yes, um, they, that, that has worked out that they, um, that they have these little bottles, even from the time that they're very young. So that, that would, uh, otherwise they would be waking up and asking me for water. So we would just, we just tie it to their crib and it was always, Yeah. That's so smart. That's a very interesting strategy. I haven't talked to many parents about details, but this is the first time I hear about this strategy. Sounds really yeah, there cool. Are, there are small tricks that can get you through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a lot of parents do need those small tricks to really uh, be creative, right? <laughs> to figure out a yeah. way. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, this is wonderful. Thank you for sharing all these uh, wonderful tips. So regarding, you know, um, parents or just uh, uh, adults with sleep difficulties for themselves, and you mentioned a lot of good strategies. Near the end of the show, is there like any final wisdom you want to share with all the listeners? If they, whoever is listening, they um, have some sleep difficulties like, like you, they, um, for example, wake up in the middle of the night and uh, have difficulties falling back asleep. Any um, last wisdom you want to share with them? Uh, you know, I think the answers are always out there in some way. You know, I think that you know, we keep looking, they, they come to us in different ways, maybe through a podcast. You know, I think the answers that we're looking for somehow always seem to find their way to us. And so to, you know, to hold on to your, you know, your hope and your vision of resolving these problems. But in the meantime, it's really about supporting yourself. Like what can you do to support yourself um, to have the best quality of life, whether you have sleep issues or whether you don't. And I think so much of that comes from the mind. And so it's sort of what we were saying before, but it's really about what kind of perception we're bringing to this challenge that can make it better or make it worse. And so as we make it better, 
new solutions will come, new ideas will come, and it's sort of important to be patient, kind to ourselves along the journey. Yeah, love that. How we think uh, make a lot of difference, and how we treat ourselves is always important. In in everything, yeah, in everything, and absolutely everything. And I come from a family of people who uh, have struggled with with sleep issues, and I think that I've seen firsthand the kind of stress that it can create in a whole family if you bring that stress to it. So I think there's a way of navigating these 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 you know challenges. Insomnia is a, a physiological challenge; it, it affects us. Um, that can make things better or worse. So it really does come down to how we're thinking about it. Right, right. Yeah, that's part of the reason, just like you said, that's why insomnia is uh, categorized as a psychological disorder and uh, how we can think about it and how we change people's perceptions have a big um, impact on the intervention sometimes. Yeah, and I, I think I should also say that from that perspective, probably many of your listeners know that, but I remember being very depressed uh, as, a, as a young mother from not sleeping well. Um, I mean, it, it, it can lead you to depression, but at the same time, I also have that awareness that when I'm going to that place that I probably haven't been sleeping that well. And so even just having awareness around that link and taking what steps I can to just do better the next night or do better the next night has actually helped. I think it's when you haven't slept well, you're depressed, you have all these crazy thoughts, and then you start believing all the crazy thoughts that you have a big problem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this is wonderful, Abigail. So if any of our listeners are interested in your um, mindfulness group, what's the service you are offering uh, how can they find your information or your practice? Uh, so my website is www.themindfulgoods.com. So it's with a the, themindfulgoods.com. Uh, you can go there, sign up to my newsletter. And um, yeah, there's some resources on there as well. Great. So your uh, mindfulness group, you deliver it to people all over the world. Is that right? Yes, I deliver it to people all over the world. I mean, I think right now there are people from, from Europe and from the U.S., but uh, anybody is welcome. And I may be adding new time zones depending on you know, demand and, and what fits people's schedule. Great. Okay, thank you, Abigail, for taking your time, sharing all these wonderful tips and the personal you know, experience with us, with our audience. Thanks, Dr. Xu. Appreciate it. When I treat insomnia, I often teach some guided meditation practices, and many insomnia patients find them very helpful. So if you want to try them, start today. And I will put some free links to the show note link for your reference, so you can get started today for free. You can find all the links on the show note at deepintosleep.co. If you want to find out more information about Abigail and her mindfulness courses, you can go to her website at themindfulgoods.com. If you have experiences with mindfulness and meditation practices, positive or negative, please leave me a comment 
and I would love to hear about them. If you love our podcast, please feel free to share with your friends, with people you know who can benefit from this knowledge. So appreciate to have you in this Deep Into Sleep podcast. I'm your host Ishan, and I will see you next week. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you, the CBTI method in my course will definitely help you. Even if several nights of better sleep, that would be a world-changing experience for you. I have had so many success from my insomnia patients who have taken this course over the years. If you know someone who are struggling with sleep, go to my website and check out my course at deepintosleep.co/insomnia.